The big game is finally here. BetOnline is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. With dozens of odds, props, and info on hundreds of sports, events, politics, entertainment, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime from desktop or mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to stay up to date on all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. This is the Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, to Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sun Belts. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's it's just frustrating. It, it's it's. <laughs> Uh, another episode of the Fun Belt Podcast on the Believe Network. A lot of great Sun Belt sports going on right now. It's basketball season. Um, you know, before too long, we're going to get to spring sports, softball, and lacrosse. Not a Fun Belt sport, but uh, at JMU anyway, there's big lacrosse going on this week. Um, softball, baseball, right around the corner. But another sport that is in season right now, Dusty, what do you think is maybe the most exciting sport in season right now outside of Sunbelt basketball? Cross country. No, that's a fall sport. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I got nothing for right now. I mean, if it's not football, who really cares, right? Well, no, no, because, you know, a sport that I think everybody grows up playing a sport made popular by a great movie probably longer ago than I want to admit it came mm. out because, you know, I was already an adult when it came out and now I'm just getting old. Um, but we have with us here, Eli Villarreal, who is the president of JMU's dodgeball team, nationally ranked in the NCDA and has a, Sunbelt rivalry. I know it's not an official Sunbelt sport, but I think they have a little bit of a Sunbelt rivalry with Georgia Southern, also nationally ranked. So let's talk to Eli a little bit about what college dodgeball is all about. Eli, first off, congrats on, you know, being nationally ranked and, you know, getting a good start off this season. I know you guys host your big tournament this week. How exciting is that for you guys? And, and what's, what's that like to host an event and, you know, put that on, have other teams come play you at your place. Oh, man. I mean, it, it's amazing, honestly. Like, I can't – I don't think I could really truly describe the way it feels to play here at our home turf here on JMU. I mean, UREC by itself is just an amazing place to play. But it's – I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys check up on the um, NCDA's uh, Instagram page, uh, NCDA Dodgeball or whatever it is, but uh, they recently posted a picture. What's the best college – dodgeball environment to play in and i mean if you look at it pretty much every comment it's jmu jmu james madison if you've never played at james madison then you can't give an answer i'm the environment at jmu is just something so completely different than all these other teams uh, the majority of schools in the league are in the midwest and ohio michigan area but jmu we've been a powerhouse for years and so when when these schools come down they see what we're about here at jmu and and they love it, it it's Nothing quite like representing your school while playing dodgeball against all these other, I mean, powerhouse teams. But 
yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm really excited. It's gonna be a great weekend. Okay, so to be fair to all those other teams, where else have you been? So we know who you're comparing yourself against. Where where else have you guys played and have uh, what what have those environments been like? So it, it's hard to compare because Beast. Um, that's the tournament we have this weekend. Is uh, our annual Beast tournament is what we call it. Um, it's a lot different because I think the fan base at JMU and also just like the people that we have on our team, like we bring a lot of fans to the games and um, at other tournaments, there aren't normally, it's hard because like, it's hard because there's not as many, there's not as much room as some of the other tournaments that we've been to. Um, We've traveled up to uh, Penn State. We've been to Maryland. We've been to UVA. Um, we go to Ohio. We just recently, last weekend, went to Kent State um, up in Ohio. And so there's not as much room for fans, but at JMU, we make it uh, a priority to set up bleachers and we have multiple courts. And then UREC is such a big facility in itself. So the the way that we set it up with all the fans and the people and and the environment it's just different than the other tournaments so i'm i'm not talking down on any of the schools at all i want to make that very clear but um beast there's just a certain level of atmosphere that sometimes the other tournaments don't necessarily have um but the national tournament it's the closest thing i would compare to the beast tournament too but um there's just something different about playing at jmu i don't know there just really is and kind of describe for us what the college volleyball or not volleyball dodgeball is like. Um, I was thinking the ball you use, but I was reading up on it. It's twelve on twelve. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And kind of on yes, and a basketball court type of area. Mm-hmm. What else, I guess, makes it college dodgeball versus you know <clears throat> maybe kids have played by other rules and stuff growing yeah. up or just whatever they happen to like be able to play when they were having fun. Yeah, I hear. Um, so. Basically, what I tell people who have never heard about college dodgeball, especially here at school, like at our student org night or when I'm trying to get my buddies to come play, um, I'll tell them it's basically imagine you're playing dodgeball back in high school with all of the best athletes in your entire school and you're playing with 10-inch kickball-sized rubber balls. And that's the initial part of the game. So it's 12v12. Um, two 25-minute halves, and how you score points is how we win games, obviously. So you get a point if you eliminate the other team completely. So when you eliminate the other team, um, they stop the clock, you reset the balls, and then you do it again. And you do it as many times as you possibly can. And sometimes you'll win 8-0, sometimes you'll win 2-1, sometimes... You go to overtime and you tie up at the end of regulation and it's a 6v6 and whoever wins, wins the game. Um, But it's pretty intense. Um, I think when people hear dodgeball, they compare it to what they played in elementary, middle, high school, whatever. But um, the truth is, it's, it's, it's honestly nothing like that. It's, it's the basic premises of, you go and try and hit people with balls and get them out. And if you catch it and you get a person back in, but back in middle high school, you don't have guys throwing the ball 70 miles an hour and you don't have 
a shot clock to throw the ball and you don't have the best athletes on the court and jerseys. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. it. It's hard to fully describe all of the rules and strategy that might go into a game and into a team's philosophy, but um, there's a lot, but it's, it's dodgeball. It's still dodgeball. You know, I mean, it's still what you play in when you're a kid, but it's, it's strategic and it's athletic and, and it's fun, but it, it hurts a little bit too. <laughs> so obviously the goal, you have your beast, which I guess is kind of like a national qualifier. What's the trophy like? What, what's the hardware that you're really going after? How big is it? What's it weigh for the sickos that are out there that want to know uh, about the hardware? Tell yeah. us about that. So, so we call it the beast tournament and all of the, all of our competitions across the league are called tournaments, but most of them aren't actual tournaments. If you know what I mean? Like usually you're playing three, maybe four matches against other schools. But the truth is you can't really play much more than that in a day because the way that the way that we throw and the way that it takes an actual physical toll on your body, it's kind of hard to play more than that. Um, I know that a lot of our squad and a lot of other squads deal with a lot of arm pain and stuff like that. Um, but um, it's a year-round sport. So each school takes their turn hosting tournaments for whoever would want to come. Um, normally, there's about six to ten schools that come to a tournament per hosting. And what we're playing for is points. And we're playing for rankings and um, ranking points. And when you win a game and however many points you win by, that's what we're really playing for. Yeah, so yeah, I interacted with a few of you guys on social media this week. And, you know, I see people with, uh, you know, base pictures playing baseball and stuff, you know, in their profiles mm -hmm. and stuff. Do you guys go out and recruit, like, guys who are athletes – in high school who played certain sports are you looking for certain things for who you get on your team oh yeah of course of course we are yeah it's um like i uh, like i mentioned before it's like dodge it's like high school dodgeball with all the best athletes from your entire high school like that that's the best way i can put it to give people a scope of what it actually looks like to be playing in a game I know, but like saying club dodgeball, it sounds kind of goofy. Like I will not lie. I mean, I haven't even thought that before I joined. But once you get out there and you start playing a little bit, you start throwing the ball, you're hitting people in the face, you're getting hit. It's a lot more brutal than it sounds. So we're looking for people who are fast on their feet, athletes, not afraid to take a hit, but not afraid to give one either. Um Baseball players are really what we're looking for. I personally didn't play baseball in high school. I only played up until until I got on a t-ball. I got hit by a pitch too many times, so not my thing. But uh, I played lacrosse myself, so I think that's how I had the arm motion going into the game. When you learn how to throw a ball as you're growing old, like as you're getting up there, it's just going to give you a jump start once you try and throw a dodgeball going – you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. I mean, 80 if you're real good, but we're definitely looking for athletes. Yeah. 
our club right now we have about 130 members in the our group chat at least we've got probably 60 to 70 active members um and we're probably one of the larger clubs across the nation in the ncda we're only bringing 18 people to tournaments and that's the maximum roster can have so we're looking for the best athletes we possibly can who know the game who can play well who just have that athletic instinct tell us i guess all the details anybody wants to know about your beast tournament this week if anybody wants to show up and uh yeah all righty well um beast beast tournament this this saturday we're really looking forward to it we're gonna play um cincinnati again the number five ranked team in the nation we just lost to them three to two last weekend so we're really excited to play them this upcoming saturday uh, we'll also be playing ohio and um another one of our league ri or regional rivals uva so we're really looking forward to it um we also have a b team playing so that's really cool um, we're going to have the entirety of JMU's UREC for our disposal. Um, there's going to be games from teams across the nation um, showing up and playing, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, anybody's welcome to come. We'll be starting at 9.30, and games will be ending around 5. It's going to be a great time, and to anybody who's watching this that's interested in JMU Club Dodgeball, please come and check it out. And if you're a student here, come, come talk to me, man. Um, we'd love to have you. We'd love to... We'd love to see if you might add something to our team. So, From one round ball, Shane, to another, it is peak basketball season, and App State continues to just dominate. They have a game up. They're a game up right, right now on Troy, 10-1 overall in the conference. Troy at 9-2, James Madison and the Raging Cajuns 8-3. The Cajuns, probably the hottest team right now, though, in the league with seven straight wins we're just past the midway mark as we handed out our awards last week shane what'd you what'd you see out of that uh opening of the second half of the season i mean i think what we saw from app state was them winning the kind of game that you have to win to get to a regular season championship and to secure that number one seed they're going against a rival team that's really got nothing to lose but georgia southern's been been a lot better than we expected. Um, they take them to overtime, but App State just makes the plays down the stretch to to get a win there in a really hard-fought game that a lot of teams could lose, and and that could have let you know Troy, JMU, Louisiana all kind of start thinking, hey, we might be able to catch these guys, but right now they're still all looking up at them. This week we get some uh, good midweek games. Georgia State headed to the Raging Cajuns. JMU going to Arkansas State. Of course, Jeremy missing in action just in time to to try to uh, you know bask in the glory of beating ULM last week. Finally, App State headed to Texas State. ODU at Southern Miss. Marshall Troy on that ODU Southern Miss. Both teams with interim head coaches with Jay Layton, Ladner of Southern Miss stepping away after having a, uh, what was the phrase in the official uh, statement, a heart uh, episode or heart condition. Both those with interim head coaches. Do you feel that this is kind of a tryout for each one of those? Potentially. I mean, we'll see how serious or long-term, you know, Jay Ladner's um, situation ends up being. Um, I, 
I tend to think we're probably going to see something change at ODU before next season, but I mean, I don't know that for sure. So yeah, I think for, for Kieran there at ODU, that's kind of been a almost season long audition and debatable how that's going for him. But um, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily like, Hey, the guy who wins gets the job next year in this one, but it's definitely, definitely an interesting situation to see two guys in that situation go against each other this week. And then this upcoming weekend, we have the Sunbelt hosting the second round of the Sunbelt Mac challenge. Any games out of that group that really stick out to you? You know, I think JMU Akron is a game that's really good teams. You know, Akron, I think, you know, when you look at where they are in the net and Ken Palm and all that stuff, and then you watch them play, which I've been catching them on ESPN plus a lot, knowing this game was coming. And um, I think they're better than where they're ranked. I think they're a really good team. They got two or three really good players. Um, <clears throat> Freeman from them is just going to be really hard to stop. I think it's going to be a really tough test for JMU and neither team's probably as high in the net rankings as the conferences want them to be to kind of boost things here. But um, I think it's a really good test. And, you know, maybe if both those teams keep winning down the stretch, it ends up being a really quality win for one of those two. I like the, the battle at the top there, Toledo and App State. Both of them are, are pretty similar in that they're both very defensive-driven teams. But I'm anxious to kind of see what happens with Toledo going to the black hole of Boone and how can they acclimate to that that altitude and that attitude that they have there in their arena for that game. Yeah. Troy Kent State's another one I think is going to be pretty interesting. Kent State's got a lot of talent. They haven't necessarily played their best in the middle part of the season. Might be getting it together a little bit. Troy sitting there um, in the mix in the Sun Belt. Uh, be interesting to see. I don't know if that one's going to have a whole lot of like implications for either team. You know, both can lose and still be the same place they are in the conference standings. But um, I think it's just a kind of an interesting measuring stick for both of those teams. I think one of the better matchups of the, the same team, different uniform, Northern Illinois at, at South Alabama. South Alabama, we had such high expectations. They fall out of the gate there to Mobile, as we've said. Northern Illinois is very much the same way. They were expected to compete, if not win the MAC this year, and they've really just kind of fallen flat and, and fallen down the standings of the MAC. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they respond once they're really kind of playing uh, almost an inner squad against a team that's made up and, and, and very similar to one another. Yeah. I mean, like you said, both teams kind of maybe a little something to prove after not getting quite where they were expected to be this year. Um, you know, on the opposite of that, you know, they match up Buffalo and Georgia Southern primarily because of Georgia Southern's really awful non-conference, you know, record. They're both way down there in the net. I think, you know, the Sun Belt can maybe make a little bit of a statement there of Georgia Southern can get an emphatic win against a team because um, they need – it would be good for the Sun Belt if Georgia Southern has at least one non-conference win this season. That's just going to be a whole lot of blue in Statesboro, that's for sure. That's true. 
on the women's side, we're, we're ticking along there as well. The long-awaited revenge game, Old Dominion and Troy set to battle out. As we saw last year, Troy was bounced from the tournament when Old Dominion played six on five to get the last second win in the conference tournament. And then Marshall having to do something they haven't had to do all season long in Sunbelt Conference action, rebound after a loss. And they are headed to Lafayette to take on ULL, a team that I got to see firsthand absolutely whoop the Warhawks to tip off the second half of the action. What's intriguing to you about this women's basketball slate? I think you hit on it, how Marshall responds against a good Louisiana team. I, I was surprised to see that result against ULM, you know, at least that emphatically. Um, so, you know, it'll be a tough test for Marshall and see how they respond, see if teams are kind of figuring out how to play against that style, which is much different than anybody else plays. Um, JMU certainly had a different kind of game plan second time around. Um, we'll see if some other teams maybe can mix it up and follow the JMU blueprint there. But I mean, I think Marshall's still good. They still got, you know, a comfortable lead in the standings. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, just interesting to see how they respond to a loss, which they haven't had to do in a while. The women also get to take part in the Sunbelt Mac Challenge all games on Saturday, except for Sunday, James Madison at Ball State. The game that I really like out of this, because I'm, I'm just kind of anxious to see how are they? Is is Troy at Bowling Green? I feel like that that is a good NIT-ish type of matchup that we really get to see how good is Troy. I mean, we, we've seen them all season long, kind of peak and valley, but they're, they're big, they're long team, they can rebound, they play well in the paint, but Bowling Green's kind of the same mold as well. So it, it's a really good matchup and a good chance to see how does – a one of the top Sunbelt teams match up against one of the top uh, Mac teams. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, I think I'm a little more interested in the Mac challenge as a whole on the women's side than the men's side there. <clears throat> it can make a big difference on the women's side. You look at JMU Marshall are right there. I didn't check today, but they're right there kind of around number 100 in the net. They're going to play higher-ranked MAC teams with a chance to get good road wins and maybe bump whoever, if one of those two ends up winning the Sunbelt tournament, maybe bump that team up off the 13 line into like a 12 or 11 seed. And in women's basketball, that gives you a lot better chance to win in the first round. You know, you're playing a true road game if you're the 13 seed in the NCAA tournament. You're the 12. You're all of a sudden playing a five seed on a neutral court. And you saw it with JMU last year. They go to Ohio State. They get a big lead. And then the Ohio State crowd comes alive. And they're playing on the road. And they're playing in a hostile environment. And then an hour later, when North Carolina and St. John's take the floor, it's you know anybody's game because you know the crowd's not there. And, you know, the home team might actually adopt the underdog for the first round. So getting above a 13 seed, which the Sunbelts kind of struggle to do, would be absolutely huge on the women's side. 
But would you rather have that, say, 11 seed, 12 seed, or would you have rather have two that are maybe in the 14, 15 seed area? Maybe, but I don't. I just don't see that happening this year when you're talking about nets around number 100. But, I mean, Sean O'Regan, he made a point in his press conference today, JMU's coach, that the Sun Belt went from about the number 17-ranked conference last year in women's basketball to their 10 or 11 this year, depending on where you look. So they're making strides. They just don't really have the team that, you know, you know, JMU and App State made waves early in the season on the men's side with some big upsets. They didn't get that in the women's side. I don't think they're going to have the net rankings to really think about an at-large this year. But I think a 12 seed is pretty doable, especially if they can get some wins in this in this challenge. In addition to basketball, it's softball season now, Shane. The preseason poll released, no surprise, the Raging Cajuns hands down all 12 votes to lead it. But as we were talking about before the show, it, it's it's really about a nine-team league. That yeah, you have the Cajuns there; they're, they're the cream of the crop at the top. Everyone else though is is pretty close, within 20, 30 points of one another. And then there's the bottom three of Georgia State, Georgia Southern, App State. Is is, is the league kind of that? mid and top heavy or do you feel that that's just a holdover from last year like most uh, preseason polls are i think some of both i mean i think there's definitely programs that are really invested in softball really want to be good and you know it shows on the field louisiana obviously chief among them and nobody's surprised that they're picked first but then like you said those next four five six maybe even seven or eight teams, you could almost put them in any order. And, I mean, there's some guesswork involved, too. Nobody expected Marshall to be as good as they were last year. And now they're kind of back in the middle of the pack. Um, you know, we don't really know what they have. Um, you know, you look at James Madison. They've got some talent, but probably their two starting pitchers they might go with the most have never thrown a pitch in college. They're big-time recruits, but kind of an unknown situation there. Um, it's hard, hard to know what to expect from a lot of these teams. That's why, like you said, after Louisiana, there's a pretty tight bunch points-wise about how they were voted voted in this poll. I'm anxious to see uh, Maya Davis, Louisiana Lafayette. She was All-American Freshman of the Year last year, the sophomore outfielder. What does she do in the sophomore year? Does, does she just continue – propelling and, and tearing up the Sunbelt Conference, or is this the sophomore slump? I think like we've always seen. I'm, I'm anxious to see that and then want to see Jessica Mullins in the circle again. 1.88 ERA, first team all Sunbelt Conference. She was the big reason why the Bobcats were able to get that at-large bid into the postseason, possibly snubbing uh, South Alabama, but they did get the nod to get into it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd also be interesting, like you talk about the postseason, how many teams is the Sun Belt going to get in this year? You know, they've they've had years where, you know, maybe they were four or five bid league, weren't really there last year. Even after an expansion to add some good teams, 
you know, JMU probably didn't do their part coming off a uh, college world series run in the last couple of years. Um, they might be back. You never know. That's what I'm really, who's going to really step up and prove themselves as an NCAA regional type of team outside of the raging Cajuns. And then we have baseball set to start next week, February 16th. So we will have all that breakdown in our next episode there as well. Shane, before we get into plugs, promos, parting shots, the bigger thing, I feel like this year's Super Bowl, is it the Taylor Swift or no Taylor Swift? We're not even going with, you know, the 49ers or the Chiefs. It's Taylor Swift or no Taylor Swifts. I don't know. I mean, is there going to be a little bit of a letdown after the big Grammys? Like, you know, we talk about who's going to have a letdown this week after a big win, who who responds to a loss. Um, I don't think anybody from the 49ers won a Grammy this week. How do they respond to that? Like, it's really hard to say. I, I I went through our preferred betting partner, Bet Online, to bet the Taylor Swifts at minus two points. So we will see if that is a good bet or Shane. I need to borrow five bucks to uh, you know cover my losses. So plugs, promos, parting shots. I'm just going to plug the store as always, FunBeltPodcast.com, where you can find out the full catalog of all of our episodes dating back to season one, episode one, where we still had no clue what we were doing, as well as getting our merch of our great FunBelt podcast logo, Get Irk in the Hall, The Feigning Goat, and Shane, you, you, you got you to gotta get the crayons out and get us a new t-shirt. Yeah, I do. Maybe pick up some merch for myself to wear down to Pensacola or wherever, <clears throat> wherever March takes us. So, uh, yeah, everybody else should do the same thing. Anybody wearing a Fun Belt podcast T-shirt merch of any kind that I see at a game, I will definitely come up and uh, shake your hand. Yeah, I'm never wearing mine again. Yeah. So, I guess it's my turn. Uh, I'll just do, you know, the good old plug too. Um, you can read. My stuff at dnronline.com slash sports. You can read about JMU and other Sunbelt teams. You know, I had a column about ODU basketball here recently. Um, so any ODU fans that, that still check us out, even after we accidentally didn't run the Monarchs segment a while back, if, if you're checking us out, you can also look there to uh, read about your Monarchs. And um, yeah, simple plug for me tonight. I'm never going to live that down. <laughs>